you take your Bible, please go into the book of Daniel. We're going to the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel. Now, I started on a, a part of the subject. We're going to be, deal with verse 1, 2, and 3. We'll probably won't deal much with verse 1. We pretty well covered that last week. There's some things I'm going to come back to that's in verse 1, but it's going to be needed just a little bit further on into the book. Now, we got to this seventh chapter. It's changed. We in prophecy, and what I'm going to be dealing with tonight will be the beginning of prophecy, things that you're going to see out of here, but they're in the scriptures here. And God put them in here for a purpose. Uh, you're as bad as I am, I'm sure, when it comes to sometimes when we read something, we don't pay attention to it, and uh, it's in the context. And if we don't pay attention to it, we probably will never find out what it's all about. And uh, ask, asking God and, ask, and asking questions from the Word of God is a proper thing for you to do as a student of the Word of God. Actually, we're not to take advantage of the, of the Bible and, and ignore or overlook or not take anything uh, to heart. Everything that's in this Bible, every word in this Bible is inspired of God and God didn't put it in this Bible to take up space God didn't take it in it to put it in to write a thesis to make a hundred and graduation God knows the end from the beginning he knows everything between the beginning and ending ending and he knows how to reveal to us what we need to know I don't believe God put too much in the Bible, even though I sometimes think I'll never learn it all and I'll never understand all of it. But I do believe that God put everything that we need to know in the Bible, and I do know that he's got some of it camouflaged to where I can't find it. And uh, over a period of time, I study my Bible, then I, uh, here's what happens. I find out Something that I didn't know, I've heard it all my life, and I didn't, I couldn't put it together, and I took just a partial thought of it. What I've heard from days past and going by don't really give me all the answers, but I'm not at the place to where I could comprehend it if I know the answers. Yeah. So God has to let me grow a little bit more. He has to let me t learn a little bit more. But eventually, God will show us more and more as the days go by. So we're going to read tonight in Daniel chapter 7, the first three verses. This will probably be our uh, text for tonight and the next time we're in the book of Daniel. But he said in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, in the first year. Now there's an importance in that, but I'm not going to get into that tonight. I'll Belshazzar. King of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Now remember, we've done been dealing with Daniel, not, 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 a Daniel, not a dream of Daniel, but a, a dream of Nebuchadnezzar and a, uh, some things that we've seen in the Word of God. And so tonight we got a, 
a dream and a vision of, of Daniel. And basically, I'm going to say this up front, Daniel basically comes up with the same dream that Nebuchadnezzar does, if you'll think about it. And I'll try to explain that if I get time for it tonight. Why is that? There's in there for a purpose in the second chapter of Daniel. Now we're in the seventh chapter, and we're seeing basically the same thing. I can explain that. And you can understand it when I explain it tonight, if I get to. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. And so he's going to give us a little sum of it tonight here. And he wrote it and God had him pin it down. So God wrote it to us. Amen. Believe that. Now tonight we'll start with verse number 2. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea. Diverse one from another. Would you agree with me when I say tonight, I'm already confused? I hope you're not, but I, 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 I mean, I'm not, but maybe you might be. Sounds to me like a bunch of uh, words that I'll never get an answer to, you probably say. I want you to listen very carefully. I'm going to try to say it very slowly. I'm going to try to explain it to where we can understand it. I've got a human mind. I don't have a divine mind. I get to think about heavenly things every once in a while, and I get called up in glory in my mind sometimes in heart, don't you? But I don't have the mind of God. My thoughts are not God's thoughts. My ways are not God's ways. Now, you may have a little God way about you and a little God thought about you, but uh, I'm excluded because I ain't been able to get there yet. But God does speak to this human body, human mind. Now, he said, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. Well, what's the four winds? I want you to study on that just a minute with me. What does it mean that the four winds strove upon the great sea? What does it mean for the great sea? What does it mean tonight that the four winds of the heaven, you see that? Is that the... Four winds that we have, north, east, west, and south winds. I'm just throwing words at you to try to get your understanding to catch on. And then he goes on to say in verse number three, and our four uh, and four great beasts. All right, we got four winds, we got a great sea, and we got four great beasts. That comes up from the sea. Diverse means different. 
one from another. Amen. Sound like we're about ready to shut our Bible and go home. What's all that mean? Three little old verses has thrown a, a monkey in our in our world. From what we studied, we can understand the den of lions and the uh, you know the lions and all them. Amen. That, we can understand that. But uh, preacher, you're talking a little bit out of off of my language tonight. This is like speaking in tongues. It's something more we don't know about. So let's see if we can figure it out. I want to go and tonight we will start. And this is where I'm saying this is going to get boring. I don't want you to go to sleep on me. I want you to be alert. Probably wrong time to do this is having a late evening service. But I don't know any better time than we can now. But you've got to get it. And I may put, be putting in too much emphasis here. And you may be sitting saying, get on with it. But I'm trying to tell you that what we need to tell you tonight is very, very important. And we need to grasp it. I don't care whether you write it down or not. I just want you to get that fixed in your head. Let it sink to your heart. And seal it with the Holy Ghost of God. Now... I want to talk about in, in the first year of Belshazzar, it's when it happened, that gives us the time period. Verse number two, it talks about the four winds of the heaven. Now, if you'll look up that in the Bible or in a concordance, you'll find out that four winds, or the four winds, or uh, whatever you want to put it, the four winds, I'm not talking about just the plain winds, the four winds are mentioned nine times in the Bible. I mentioned a little thing last week called hermeneutics. I don't know, you remember what I said about the hermeneutics? What is it? It's a way of Bible study. That whenever you look at something in the Bible for the first time in your Bible, the first time you find it mentioned, you find out what that meaning of it is. And nine times out of ten, it will mean the same thing the second time you read it, the third time you read it, the fourth time you read it, it'll mean that th same thing all the way through the Bible. It's called the first mention principle. I'll just give you an example. The first time you find a sacrifice for sin is in the Garden of Eden when God killed a lamb or an animal and got their skins to cover them with and that blood was shed for Adam and Eve. The second time you find out that a sacrifice is offered in the Bible You'll find that between Cain and Abel, and Abel right offered the blood. Cain did not. And all the way through the Bible, you're going to find a blood sacrifice from Genesis to Revelation. When you find blood in the Bible, it may talk about something else. The life of the flesh is in the blood. That's in Leviticus. But it also, if you're looking at blood sacrifices... It will always be to cover sin, to hide sin, never to wash it away, but to do that, to
to get rid of it until Christ Jesus comes and dies on the cross of Calvary and His blood washes away sin. You understand that? That's the first mentioned principle. Now you'll find that in a, all the way through the Bible in about every subject you ever want to deal with. So we're going to look tonight at these four winds. I looked them up in my concordance and my concordance says four winds are mentioned nine, in nine verses of the Bible. Sometimes you'll hear me mention that and I won't go to those verses because I seem to think that it drags out the service, you get lulled to sleep on it, you get tired of it. One thing about the Bible, if you want to know the Bible, you'll have to work for it. The Bible said much study is a weariness to the flesh. And if you're not getting tired of Bible study, you either ain't got the right goods on the inside of your heart, or you're studying pretty heavy. Amen. You sit down and study for a solid hour in your Bible and see if you don't get tired. You'll have to get up and move around. You'll have to refresh yourself. So I'm saying tonight, if you get weary with what I'm saying tonight, it may be because you are studying and you're learning something. But down the road, you just keep doing that because what will happen is down the road, uh, them little nuggets you're picking up here and there you'll sleep off of now, you go to saying, glory to God, hallelujah, Lord, feed me some more. And that's where I want you to be. I want you to fall in love with the Word of God and try to learn it. And if you don't agree with me, don't argue with me. Amen. Unless you know better and God showed you from heaven more Scripture than I know, and you can take your Bible and you can explain to me what I just said is wrong. If you can't do that, Keep your mouth shut. Amen. If you don't know better, you can't tell me better. And it's not your opinion. It's not what you think. I hear people say, I don't see it that way, preacher. I don't agree with that. But they can't never tell me what is right. So I'm going to start putting people to the, to the plow. You tell me you don't like that. I'm going to tell you, why don't you like it? It's God's Word. Don't you like Him? Amen. I don't want you to hate me for God's Word. If you want to hate anybody, hate God. Keep me out of the, keep me out of the equation. I'm just the delivery man. Amen. How many of you have cussed a, a mailman out every day brings you a bill? How many argues with him? Uh-uh, he's just a delivery boy. Now, and that may sound a little plain, and, and I don't mean that to sound arrogant or anything. I love you people. That's why I studied the Word of God to try to show you. Now, let's see these things. I want you to take your Bible and back up to Jeremiah chapter 49. We're going to look at these nine verses in the book of Jeremiah, about the four winds. What are they? Does anybody think you really know for sure what they are? 
Amen. If you do, amen, just sit there and see if I'm, see if I'm right then. Amen. And if, if, if you don't know and you don't see it, then you'll either have to take my word for it or you'll have to talk to the Lord about it. Amen. And that's be fine with me. You can take, take everything I preach to the Lord if you want to. Jeremiah 49. I, I'm telling you, uh, I want you to know what I'm telling you. That's why I have to give you the chapters and verses to go to. Jeremiah 49, 34. I'm going to start at verse 34. That's not actually the verses. We're going to read chapter 49, verse 39, 34 through verse number 39. And the reason I'm doing that is to get the whole context. I want us to know what the four winds are. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, verse 34, the prophet against Elam. I'm not going to give you all the details about Elam tonight because that would take us a little longer for the message and then we wouldn't get no further than this. But it's just, you can see it in just a minute, a little bit, and I'll throw in a little bit to let you know. But you, you look up Elam. Study Elam everywhere in the Bible. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet against Elam, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, saying. So far, you don't have to get too involved in that. Just know who's doing it. Jeremiah the prophet speaking. He's a prophet for Elam. Did I read it wrong? <laughs> I, I read it wrong just to see if you're going to catch what I'm saying. He said he's a prophet. Against Elam. That's important. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the chief of their might. In other words, we're finding some destruction coming to Elam. So it's not a city or a person or whatever it is tonight that's for God. So judgment's going to fall on Elam here. That's simple enough for us to figure out, ain't it? Verse 36 said, And upon Elam will I bring the four winds. Now, does that already help you a little bit to know the four winds? When God brings the four winds, amen, you notice automatically that judgment begins to fall. Amen. Why do you folks get a little bit disturbed when a storm comes? The wind blows. You're not concerned about judgment on you. You're concerned about the trees are falling. Amen. You understand? So in that comparison, God has already given us the winds. The east wind, the north wind, the south wind, and the west wind. That's the ends, that's the winds of the earth. That's not the four winds here. Are we clear? Can y'all distinct distinguish tonight that there's four winds and then there's four winds? I mean then, then there's winds. We have winds. We deal with winds every day to some degree. Storms come. The winds blow. But when the four winds come, 
from the four quarters of heaven. Now do you see it? This winds from heaven. The four winds are winds from heaven. They're not earthly winds. Why is that important in, in, in Daniel? Daniel's fixing to tell us in the last half of Daniel that judgment is coming. He's a prophet. He's prophesying of future days. Now, if we don't get this separate, and this is probably more detail than you'll ever hear a preacher preach on it. Because they just jump through it and go, because they don't want to do what I'm doing tonight. They don't want to bog you down and get you at the place that you'll understand. And so I decided tonight I'm just going to stop. If I have to, and we'll go over the same thing till we can say one time one, equal one. One time one, equal one. The winds of the earth are the winds we see every day. The winds of the heavens are the winds of God. And when God's winds blow, it takes down more than our houses. It brings judgment and takes down kingdoms. You understand it? Are we good? If you ain't, I'll back up and say it again. I want you to know this. And upon Elam, whoever Elam is, will I bring four winds from the four quarters of the heaven and will what? Now he's going to, do something to Elam. He's going to scatter them toward all the, those winds. He's going to take the four winds of heaven and he's going to scatter them to the four winds of the earth. And there shall be no nation. So I'd say Elam is a nation now, wouldn't you? Whither the outcast of Elam shall not come. For verse number 37 said, For I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies. They'll be dismayed before their enemies. When, when the four winds of heaven blow on anything or anybody, you're going to find they'll be dismayed before their enemies. And before them that seek their life, they're going to be dismayed at what's going on. And I will bring evil upon them. God ain't going to bless. Remember Daniel is predicting judgment. He's predicting tribulation. He's predicting the wind up of the Lord when he comes. And it ain't going to be fun. That's why he says tribulation is going to be called Jacob's trouble. And there's never been a thing like Jacob's trouble, amen, before or after. So nobody knows anything about what tribulation is. Now, where's tribulation going to take place? Daniel chapter 7, verses 1, 2, and 3 tells us where it's going to take place. You didn't hear me say it. You didn't see it when you went down through there. But I'm going to show it to you. I get down there. I'm not a prophetic preacher, but boy, all you need is a good Bible. And you'll become more prophetic than you think you are. And I will bring evil upon them, even my 
Fierce anger. Now what did I say it was a while ago? The four winds of heaven is the judgment of God. When God gets mad, He gets a fierce anger. What does God do? He destroys. It was an abomination for Sodom and Gomorrah and God destroyed them. In, in the days of Noah and the sinful sinfulness of that day, God said he repented that he'd even made man and he wiped them off the face of the earth. Now he's talking about something we never heard before. The four winds. I guarantee you talk to your Christian friends and you ask them what the four winds are. Amen. I wouldn't expect to get a book from them. I wouldn't expect them to sit down and explain what I'm explaining tonight. Now you see where I'm saying it's important for us to know this? We've got nine. We've got eight more verses to talk about. He said, even my fierce anger saith the Lord, and I will send the sword. That means destruction. Death. After them till I have what? Consumed them. I'll take them off the face of the earth, he says. Now this is future. It has not happened yet. And this is typifying what's going to happen. Verse 38. And I will set my throne in Elam. And I will and will destroy from thence the king and the princes, saith the Lord. I'll take down those that's in high order. You thinking about politics and politicians today? Amen. And all the stuff, stuff is going, God will set them down. He'll take their throne one day. Why don't he do it today? Ain't time. Then verse 39 said, but it shall come to pass in the latter days. Now it tells us when it's going to happen. You see how plain the Bible is? Pretty plain, isn't it? That I will bring again the captivity of Elam, saith the Lord. God said, this is in the future. Ain't happened yet. It's going to happen. Now the four winds. Have you got enough to know already now tonight that the four winds are something God has? And when God sends the four winds from heaven, nothing on this earth has ever seen it. Our tribulations... Our sicknesses, our little judgments of what we do today are nothing to compare to what's go what's going to happen when God releases His anger. Amen. Those uh, winds are to control, and they will. And He said, "They'll be dismayed. To be dismayed, they'll bring evil upon them. The winds will. They'll send the sword till they're consumed." And he said it'd be in the latter days. Now you mark those scriptures right there and go back tonight or sometime this week and read them over before we come back again next Wednesday. All right? We're going to go now to the second one. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And if you'll think right quick, you ought to know what Ezekiel 37 is. You've heard me preach on it. And I want to show you something. We want to have a little lengthy scriptures. That's why I want us to stay with the scriptures. Reading the verse here and there don't do much good for us. Well, it does. It always does good. Excuse me. But I mean, it don't give you the whole detail, does it? 
So this 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, I want you to read that with me tonight. I'm going to explain this. Most people know the first few verses of that chapter, but they don't know the meaning of it. That's what we do. We, we study our Bible on the surface. I'm not being critical. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not. But I do it and you do it. Sometimes I know what it means before I get to it. I read what I want to read out of it to help me watch something else I'm studying to enlighten me on something else I'm studying. Do you understand that? So I don't go into detail on the scripture I go to sometimes to full extent because I've done learned some things, but I'm going to get something to help me with something else because I think it's in that chapter, and therefore I will. All right, in chapter 37, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, this is Ezekiel, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. You've heard that old story. Knee bone come against the leg bone and all that stuff. And this, you know, you, you've seen all that. You've heard songs. Of, everybody, everybody knows about the Valley of Dry Bones. But what's the Valley of Dry Bones mean? Some of you know that. And some of you have forgotten some of it. And that's why you have to read every day because if you don't read the Bible every day, you'll forget what you read three weeks ago and you'll wait three more weeks and you'll, learn, you'll lose some more of it. That's why the Bible, I'll tell you right, you, right now you ought to read more of your Bible than you do your social media and all that stuff. Newspapers and periodicals and all that. I don't even have time for commentaries or anything else anymore. I just read my Bible. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Now he's in the valley of dry bones. He meant, didn't say dry bones there, but you listen. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Amen. It's an open cemetery if you'd say if you'll get down to facts. Amen. Now, what does all that mean? Why does God want to show us dry bones? Why does He want to tell us about a valley and dead bones and they're they're not even together? And He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And you know, we just laugh and say, no, you can't put bones together like that. And I answered, oh Lord God. He answered it right. Thou knowest. Ezekiel said, I don't know. <laughs> but you know. Yep. Amen. Amen. All right. That's why I say, when we find something that sounds a little sarcastic or way out to where we can't handle it, it's just prime work where God can handle it. Verse 4, it said again, he said unto me, prophesy, preach upon these bones. And say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now isn't that asking somebody something that don't sound like it's really good? 
Amen. I used to think, well, how can you preach to dry bones till I come to pasture? And when I started pastoring, I found out I preached to a lot of dry bones. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you have a dry bone preaching to dry bones. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm just trying to learn and teach you tonight what the Bible's all about. Again, he said unto me, prophesy again uh, upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Boy, if I get breath, they're going to be all right, ain't they? I'm going to knock that in the head in a minute. You can give breath to, die, to dry bones and they won't live. <laughs> Amen. We got life all around us and most of us are dead. How about that? Verse 6 says, And I will lay sinews. You know what sinew is? Flesh, muscles. Sinew upon you and will bring up flesh upon you. And cover you with skin. Anybody know what skin is? All right. We won't go into that. And put breath in you. And ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. God said I'm going to put sinews on you. Flesh on you. And breath in you. And you'll live. So Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. What's this got to do with Daniel? You're, are you asking that? Had you, had you run across your mind? What's this got to do with Daniel? What's it got to do with prophecy? Let's keep reading. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. You know, bones, will, when they get dried out, they'll separate. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. They ain't alive yet, are they? Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, unto the wind, got me? Keep it in the back of your mind. It didn't say four winds. It said wind. Wind's the type of the Spirit in the Word of God. You'll find it. Amen. You can't tell where the wind, you know, where the wind bloweth and where it, where it lives. That's what he told Nicodemus. You remember that? He said, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind... Thus saith the Lord God come from the, uh-oh, right there, see it? Four winds. Where's the four winds come from? Heaven. Did you know you got breath in you that come from heaven or you wouldn't be alive? Oh, breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So Ezekiel goes on to say, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Glory to God, what a miracle. And then people turn to something else and don't read the rest of it. You ain't going to learn nothing if we don't read on. 
Look at verse 11. Ezekiel's full of visions. And these visions are given, and if we don't understand them, we'll mess up. Verse 11 said, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Uh oh, look here. It's not the church, it's not the whole house of Israel. I said a while ago, Elam is going to be, in the latter days, God is going to bring judgment upon Elam. Remember that? We read it in our last text. Now he's going to breathe one of these days on the house of Israel because they're dead, plucked up, and they have no notion of God and no mention of God and no thought of God in their heart today. And he said, Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. And that's what God did. He cut them off. Because they said, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people. Who's he talking to now? You're not talking to the church. He's talking to the Jews. I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now, some people believe that happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation. But I can give you a lot more scriptures, and I will before we get through this thing, not in this, not in this section of it, but another section of, of Daniel. That God, and let me give you this. Can I read this to you again? He said, I will open your graves and cause you and the United States to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. It don't say that, does it? In 1948, Israel became a nation and it was helped by the country of the United States of America. That's the reason I say that the Jews have not all got back into their homeland. There's Jews in America, Jews in Russia and other parts of the world tonight that you could not get them, you could not get them to move to Israel. They're in monetary systems so much in, a, in, in, the, in the land that they rather have the money and the intelligence and the, and the, the prestige of having high positions that they would not move to Israel. So God's going to give them an incentive. That's what I, I didn't see this for ages. I did not see this for ages. I thought Israel was already in the homeland. And every, every preacher was preaching that this generation shall not pass till these things be fulfilled. And that's why everybody's been predicting that Israel, that the rapture's going to take place now because we're seeing the fig tree bloom. The fig tree is Israel. And put forth fruit. But what's going to happen is those Jews, and you're watching them fight. I don't know if you're watching them fight or not, but and I don't watch them fight, but I listen to it. There's wars on the outskirts of Israel. I read in my Bible that the northern nations are going to come and try to destroy them. They're in a battle situation over there. 
Iran is trying to destroy them. There's a city called Damascus. You probably heard in the news. See, people don't listen. They're not listening to the right news. They're trying to find out what's coming out of Washington. Junk and trash, I can tell you. But Israel, there's some good news. When you see the armies encamped around Jerusalem, lift up your head for your redemption, draw it nigh. Is this, is this making any sense tonight? This is what I call the elementary of prophecy. And he said, and bring you into the land of Israel. So God's going to get them out of there so he can now, he's going to tell them it's in New York, wherever they are today, and they're going to somehow, and I don't know what it's going to be, I don't know what, I didn't see this before, but I don't know what God's going to do, but He's going to get them Jews to wake up one morning and they're going to say, surprise, surprise, I'm getting me a ticket. I'm going to Israel. It may be because of so much trouble we have in the other countries and they have so much persecution that they'll head to Israel. But it's not God's plan is not going to work till they get there. I believe the next agenda on 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 the calendar of the church is the rapture. And I don't believe these Jews are going to go back to the homeland until after the church is called out. Because God ain't going to work with them Jews until He gets us Gentiles and Jews are in the church out of here. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. They don't even realize they're lost. They don't realize they're dead. They don't even know Christ. They don't know God. They don't recognize the Messiah. But they will. The Messiah is going to get them over there. And shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live. And I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I am the Lord. I the Lord have spoken it and performed it saith the Lord. Amen. Now that's the second one. I could spend time with more. And I've got nine total. And I've got seven more to go. Do you understand why I said earlier that this may get boring to you? But I'm going into detail with these things instead of giving you all nine right quick. And you don't know what, you're ta- what I'm talking about when I get through. This is going to take me a lot longer to teach this book. Amen. If you knew all these things before, it would be easier on me. We don't have to spend as long a time. Now we're going to turn to Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 2. That's the third time that the four winds are mentioned. Have you come to the conclusion now that the four winds of heaven are the four winds of God? And it's the heaven's winds that brings judgment and motivation. God gives those four winds on them Jews. And brother, when he starts working with... Now we've got the Spirit of God that dwells in us. And we're walking and talking and living and witnessing in the Spirit when we do it right. But judgment comes when, when man can't do it. And won't do it like the Jew and anybody else. 
And God opens heaven and God speaks with the force, four winds of, the earth, of, of heaven. And things happen when God starts speaking. Now in chapter 7, verse 2, it said, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven. I want to point out these two phrases here. I'm going to say a whole lot about this tonight. I'm coming back to it later. He said, behold, the four winds of the heaven. And I'll tell you what the four winds do. They strove upon the great sea. Now this opens up another can of worms, but I'm just going to talk about this, the four winds tonight. I will have to mention the great sea. I looked up the word great just in the book of Daniel alone. And uh, it's mentioned several times in, in the Word of God. The word great, many times. And I, give you, I can give you all those in the book of Daniel. And in chapter 7, it's mentioned more times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. The word great is mentioned eight times in the seventh chapter. It's a new beginning. God's showing you something new out of the eighth, out of the seventh chapter. You're going to show us a new beginning. That's what this seventh chapter is. It's come out from under the, the first section. Now, you probably didn't pay much attention to that. But those are the things that we need to see. Now he's talking about the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea. Now, did you know tonight that the sea is calm unless it's provoked? The sea, a lake, any of that, will not be boisterous. The sea won't toss ships to and fro unless it's got something to bother it. And it's usually the wind or a storm. Right? And the four, the four, I mean, the winds of the earth can sink a ship. But now we find that the four winds, the four winds of heaven, is striving, as working against, fighting upon the great sea. Now, when you find out who the great, where the great sea is, you're going to find out where this business of tribulation is going to take place. I think I told you if you remembered it last week, just as I left, I throw in a few little things to let you think on. You might not have thought on it. What is the great sea? Mediterranean. And I'm going to prove that to you because uh, there's several times, and that's why I said I want to show the great, but I'm going to give you the 13 verses that takes you back into the Old Testament and proves to you that the great sea, first time it's mentioned, is a Mediterranean sea and their own through the Bible. Amen. Now that's what they teach you when you go to college. And I'm not a, I'm not a real college fan, but they teach you some of this stuff and this is what you need. Everybody in the church needs this. 
the first mentioned principle. You get it wrong the first time, you may have it wrong all the time. And I'm not going to do that. I'll, that's, that'll be next week. You'll see what we're going to do. And that's some more of this boring stuff. All right. The next place is found in the book of Daniel, chapter 8 and verse number 8. This is where we find the four winds. And we know Daniel chapter 8, verse 8. 8 8. Therefore, the he goat. We're going to skip that, act like you never heard it. Because I don't want you trying to rustle me up down there on the outside, trying to make a. And, and if I tell you tonight, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about anyhow. So I'm going to work it to where you'll know. Therefore, the he goat waxed very great. Is God going to put an old goat out there when he's. And that's not. It's not an old goat. It's symbolic of somebody. And when he, when do you start calling goats he? You know, they're animals. When he was strong, the great horn. I'm not, there's another one of them words, great horn. We'll talk about that when we get in the great. You about sighted with us don't need to go no more in Daniel. We done got a hold of so much that now it's going to blow our mind away before we get out of here. He said that great horn was broken. And for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. This is what's going to happen in the tribulation. And the four winds of heaven is in charge. Amen. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. I'm not going to read no more. That, that, that'll confuse you. We're not ready for that tonight. Will you accept me for telling you that? We'll come back to it. I don't want to... Have you ever got meat that's tough? Good, but tough. And you just keep... And you kind of chew a little bit and you, you swatter just a little part of it. And you chew on that, kind of like a cow chewing a cud. You chew it a little longer and a little bit more branches off and you swallow that. This is what we're doing. We're getting a little bit at a time till we get there. I'm going to give you tonight for the next one and probably the last one, let me see. In Daniel chapter 11, the four winds are mentioned three times in the book of Daniel. We go to Daniel chapter 11 in verse number 4, and it said, And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken, and shall be divided, or shall, and shall be divided toward the four winds of where? Heaven. Can you see in the Bible that there's four winds of heaven and we got four winds, just plain 
winds here, four winds here. It's pretty plain, isn't it? Why is God saying four winds of heaven? Because they're in a di- from a different place. That's the judgment of hand, or hand, uh, winds of God. And not to his posterity, that's his children, nor according to his dominion, which he rule, for his kingdom shall be plucked up even for others beside those. And he's, this is talking about tribulation. We'll get into that. Now, see, this is why this is going to explain to you a whole lot about Revelation. Amen. And I'm going to hold it right there. We've got, what, one, two, three, four more to give you. But I'm going to give you this and to think on. Go to Revelation chapter 7. <laughs> Did anybody catch that? You didn't catch what the Holy Spirit just showed me? I didn't, hadn't seen this. In Revelation, Revelation chapter 7. What chapter are we in in the book of Daniel? Isn't it amazing? Chapter 7 of Daniel, he talks about the four winds. Isn't it amazing that when we get over Revelation chapter 7, we're going to talk about the four winds again. If this don't make this Bible alive to you, I don't know what I can do. We're going to go home not knowing a whole lot tonight, but yet we're going to understand a few things. In chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Amen. Four corners of the earth. The earth's round. And it also goes on to say, of the earth holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. God said, I, yes, he said four winds of the earth. And that's because he's got four angels that's got the four winds of heaven standing on the four winds of the earth. You got it? because <laughs> he brought those if you read you're going to find out and we'll talk about them later we're going to talk about the four angels and them four angels are the messengers that sent from God with the four winds to destroy the earth but now what's happening he's done give them that but right here in chapter 7 he's saying to them the four winds out of heaven stand on the four winds of the earth and said, do not touch nothing. Do not bring judgment. Stop everything until we get these 144,000 Jews sealed with a seal of God in their forehead. You got it? We'll talk about that next week. Amen. I hope this will help you. I'm trying to make it as plain, as simple as I know how. Amen. God knows we need it simple. Some of these people in this world are hearing so many things 
and they're basing everything that's happening today in the wrong area because they can't get it right. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom tonight. Thank you, Lord, for what you taught us. Lord, thank you for what you show us out of the Word of God. May we hold to it, cling to it. And Lord, just preach it and love it and preach it and love it and preach it and live it. God, we will just give you the glory for it. I pray you touch this people tonight. Help us, Lord, to grow in love with you and get to love in the Word of God like we never have before. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, little lady.